Today's supplement industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, and there are many theories on the use of supplements. Some people believe they're a total waste of money, and others can't live without them. Today, we're going to cut through all that hype and see 10 reasons why you should supplement and how to do it safely and carefully. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dance of Life podcast. My name is Tudor Alexander. I'm your host today, as always. Thanks so much for joining me. Today we are kind of going a little bit off the beaten path, although it is a topic I've been wanting to cover for a while, and that is a health topic. It's about supplementation. Now, of course, you've been tuning into this podcast for the last maybe year and a half or so. It's been very oriented around Christian topics, such as Bible studies, um, you know, theological topics, things like that, and certainly that's going to continue. That's the main focus of my channel. That's the main focus of what I'm doing, and I'm very excited about all the Bible studies that are kind of be coming up. I'm going to be doing one on the Trinity, one on the afterlife, one on salvation. So there's a lot of really cool things I'm just excited to dig into. However, that being said, one of the other things that I've been wanting to cover, just, you know, there's only 24 hours in the day, is getting back into talking about health matters, health issues, and not necessarily super specific things, but really just strategies on how to live a healthier life. Because it's very important. You know, today we live in the end times, in the final generation of the end times. And if you have seen my end time series, I do believe, and I've said it many times, that we are in that generation that will see the Lord's return. I believe that. I don't know when he's going to return. I don't think anybody does, obviously. But I do believe we're in that final generation. And I think the signs are very clear, especially if you interpret end times events correctly, which we did. If we look at that whole series, there's proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're really in that generation where we're going to see things like the mark of the beast. I mean, look around you with all the social credit systems and cashless society. It's right at our door, but that's good news. That is great news for us in some sense, because we know that the time is close. But until that happens, and until all these things happen, we have to be as healthy as possible. You know, that's really the whole point with these episodes that I want to start working in, which is treating the body that God gave you with awareness, with respect, with love, and being as healthy and as viable and strong as possible. That's really the goal here. And of course, one of the big topics within that umbrella is something that's very relevant to today, which is supplementation. And of course, there's a lot of theories on supplementation, and there's a lot of uh, propaganda on, su on supplementation, there's a lot of misinformation. And so I want to reintroduce myself a little bit, because especially, like I said, if you've been listening faithfully, or if you just checked in for the last couple of weeks, you probably didn't know some things about me. But I want to give you a little review of my history before we begin. And that is that I've had this podcast for over five years now. I started in 2018, and it was just like a personal growth podcast. It evolved, obviously, like anything else, and I interviewed over 150 top people in the field of mindset, personal growth, health, and various doctors uh, on all kinds of things, anti-aging, anti how to reduce inflammation, how to diet correctly, all these just different topics. I've written several books. I'm an author, and two of those were Christian books. Those are my recent books, but one of the books I, I wrote was an 800-page book, which I will never do again. If you've ever written a book, you know that the hardest part is proofreading it. 
Uh, and so I had to proof that sucker two or three times, which is an enormous amount of reading. But I wrote this book called Dance Your Way Through Life. And it's it's an 800-page book with, with 1,600 scientific references. So various studies and, and various scientific references that were in this book. So it's a massive book. And that whole process, especially with interviewing people and writing that book, was a real learning experience for me. Now, I had been doing nutrition stuff for a while, but writing that book, and I also created an online course uh, on health and all the things that I'll be sharing with you today, a little more in-depth, obviously, than today's episode. But I'm also a certified health coach, so I've been through some certification trainings myself. I was a professional athlete for 15 years, so I was very much into optimizing my performance and looking at, okay, how can I hack my body, right? Everybody's talking about body hacking. And, you know, I spent a lot of money. I spent thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, really, on health testing, on supplements. <laughs> I mean, anything that you can think of within the health sphere, I've, I've pretty much done it. I've read it. I've read all the books. I've just pretty much done it, done it all. And uh, a lot of things are propaganda, but there's a lot of things also that are true and they're good and that can be used effectively. So that's really my goal is to help you cut through the hype. And today, as of today, right, as of coming to Christ, as of realizing the truth of the gospel and changing the direction of my podcast to be more focused on the gospel, focused on the truth, focused on edifying believers, focused on spreading the truth to, to unbelievers and ultimately just doing what I can with the with the gifts that God has given me, I have obviously changed direction from all of those things. However, some of those things are still important to me, and that's why I wanted to start today. And we'll see. I mean, I don't know the frequency of these episodes. I have, like I said, I have series in mind that are more important to me, like series on the Trinity that's coming up and all this kind of stuff. But I do want to work these episodes in somehow. But this one's an important one because knowing how to be healthy and take care of yourself in this day and age, I think is more important than at any other time in history because of the things that you will see very shortly. One of them being misinformation, the other one being just how toxic of an environment we live in, and that toxicity is by design. If you are familiar with the depopulation agenda, if you're familiar with all of these various New World Order types of schemes, you know you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to really talk too much about that. But Look, God gave us a physical body to enjoy and to use, to work, to help others, to be of use in the world. And that physical body is not useful if it's being mistreated, if it's being attacked and you're not aware that it's being attacked, if it's being subverted by all of these satanic schemes. And ultimately, it's just not useful to anybody. Now, of course, there's trial and tribulation that we all have to go through. And God has ordained those things for you to go through. But nonetheless, we are still called to love our body, to respect our body. It's God's creation. And ultimately, so that's the direction that I'm coming from. So don't be too obsessed with the things that I'm giving you. You know, it's not about being obsessed with physique. I've been there myself. But at the same time, don't be careless either. And hopefully I can present some very hard reasons today why you shouldn't be careless. Because this is not just like an opinion. This is not, I'm, I have nothing to sell you. I mean, there's certain things on my website. 
that I've dealt with a company for over 15 years, some certain products, if you click on them, yeah, I get an affiliate link, but this is this episode is not about selling you anything. This episode is about showing you and broadening your awareness that the life we live in today is very uniquely different when it comes to health than at any other point in history. So we'll take a look at that. And today's basically 10 reasons why you should supplement. And I'm going to talk about how to do it the right way, how to do it carefully, how to do it safely, because there is a wrong way, obviously. And that's why that's part of the reason why there's so much misinformation on this topic. So a couple notes. My website, danceoflife.com, has a health blog. I've written over 50 research articles. A lot of those are pulled from my big book. You can also check that out if you want. It's a huge resource for you. Um, but all that is available on my website. If you if you enjoy this kind of thing, if you find it useful, there's a ton of topics on there from you know anti-aging type of things, whether they're worth it or not, to gut health, to strategies on how to recover from thyroid or adrenal burnout. All these things, and I've, I've gone through pretty much all of them myself, so I also speak from experience. Now, a couple disclaimers is that, first and foremost, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> so I have to say that. This is only for educational purposes, obviously. So if you decide to act on anything that I say or recommend or, or discuss in this video, or if you're listening to this, then make sure you consult somebody that you do trust in your health team. Supplementing doesn't have to be popping a million pills. It's just that. It's just supplementing, meaning you are adding to, you're adding to areas that are deficient or that can't be covered through your normal diet and lifestyle. Everyone is different based on their goals, and we'll talk about that. And there's many other factors that affect what you should take, how much you should take, all that kind of stuff, because everybody has different goals. My personal goal in this video, in this in this lesson, is to give you practical knowledge and skills so that you can actually begin the process in your life. Because it's a practice. It's not something like, okay, I, I'm just going to take this and I'll be fine. It doesn't work that way. Health is a journey, and that journey is a little different for everybody. So supplementing in general is, I'll say this though, supplementing in general is not an option if you want optimal long-term health. Now, Notice the words that I used, optimal and long-term. So I'm talking about health span, not lifespan. There's a lot of people that live to be 90, 100 years old, but the last 20 or 30 years of their life are miserable, right? And so ultimately, we don't want lifespan. I mean, lifespan is important, but it's secondary to health span. Health span is the amount of time that you can live in a healthy state, right? So you don't want to just live long. You want to live healthfully. And my assertion to you, based on everything that I've read and experienced over the last 20 years of my life, doing all of these things, is that long-term health, optimal health, we're talking about optimal health, because you can be relatively healthy, but again, it comes back to your goals, right? If you are somebody like me that needs to have their brain sharp every single day because they're doing creative stuff, like presenting these types of things to you, you need your brain to be sharp. I can't afford to have like a day of depression or brain fog or all these things. And these things are very common. And they're common, again, for reasons that you will learn that are outside of your control. People don't just become depressed. There are chemical agents and chemical warfare happening in our environment that cause a lot of these things. And so the question is, do you think that it's 
a good idea to be passive in this kind of world that we live in? And the answer should be no. You can't be passive. You have to take control of your health journey. Of course, this is a journey that you go on with God. And that was a big lesson for me as well, is learning that I'm not in control of my health. God is in control. He's the great physician. But at the same time, we do have things that we do. God has given me much knowledge when it comes to this for myself and for others. And I'm very grateful for that because it's helped me stay in a healthy state despite countless <laughs> things that I've gone through, very stressful situations. I'm relatively healthy, thank God. So just remember that I'm not a doctor. All these things are for your education. And hopefully I do hope they help. I do hope that they help you. But treat this with a grain of salt as with anything else that you read or listen to on the internet. My goal is to present you with a lot of information though so that you can decide. But for this presentation, I'll say one more thing. Supplementing, what I mean by supplementing is very specific. I do not mean any kind of thing that you can buy in a pill. I don't mean that. I mean vitamins and minerals. So this is a very important point because I'm not talking about things like creatine, you know, NMN or, you know, anti-aging supplements or all these trendy things, which again, there's some interesting stuff there, but those are not only expensive, right? But the data is inconclusive. So I'm not about the fancy stuff. I'm about the, the raw basics. Your body needs vitamins and minerals. Those are the building blocks along with things like amino acids and fats and carbohydrates. All those five things I just listed off, vitamins, minerals, proteins, fats, and carbs, those are the basic building blocks of your body. And there's a lot of ways that they work together, but vitamins and minerals are needed. You cannot go without vitamins and minerals. You need them in your body. And your body compensates because it's a very intelligent machine. And as you'll see with some of the things that we'll, we'll discuss, it's really quite phenomenal how you can go on and on and on without having to address certain deficiencies until it's too late, right? And so the point is you want to be preventative and understand what does it mean to be preventative and how do I evaluate that? Because there are ways. So this is about vitamins and minerals. It's not about ashwagandha supplements. It's not about, you know, all those things I mentioned. So keep that in mind. The first thing I want to mention is this. There's a lot of propaganda against supplements and supplementation. And a good example is this article that I recently saw. This is from August 31st. This is literally a couple of days ago, as of the time of this video. Taking dietary supplements full of antioxidants could actually help cancerous tumors grow. Dun, dun, dun. Cue the dramatic music. I'll read this a little bit for you. Taking vitamins or dietary supplements could be feeding tumors and promote their growth, scientists warn. Common antioxidants such as vitamin A, C, selenium, and zinc can stimulate the growth of blood vessels in cancer when taken in excess. The discovery surprised researchers as prior studies have shown antioxidants to be protective. While Swedish scientists state that the natural levels of antioxidants are in food are safe, taking supplements containing additional antioxidants could fuel tumor growth and allow the disease to spread faster. The study conducted by a team at the Karolinska Institutet concludes that vitamin C and other antioxidants promote the formation of new blood vessels within lung cancer tumors. Study authors suggest that this finding could be applicable to all cancers and their spread. We've found that the antioxidants activate a me mechanism that causes cancers tumors to form new blood vessels, which is surprising. 
since it was previously thought that antioxidants have a protective effect, says study leader Martin Birgo, professor at the Department of Biosciences and Nutrition and vice president of the Karolinska Institute in Sweden. The new blood vessels nourish the tumors and can help them grow and spread. So what do you make of this information? Well, what you make of it is, as usual, the science is never settled. And this is one thing I hope that you will glean from today's episode, that the science is never settled on anything. And so when you evaluate whether something is true or not, you have to build a case for it, just like you do with everything in the Bible, right? When you look at the evidence of the resurrection, you know, some people say, oh, there's no evidence for the resurrection. Well, sure there is. There's a ton of evidence. The question is, do you accept the evidence, right? So you build a case. You look at the eyewitness testimony. You look at the fact that all the apostles were martyred. When you look at, for example, in comparison, Watergate, you had 12 people, 12 of the wealthiest people they confessed in like 40 minutes. So, you know, the, the evidence is there. The question is do whether, do whether or not we accept it. And so when we build a case for something, we have to evaluate both, both the pros and the cons. Now, the first thing is this. I'm going to list some resources in the links or the description of this episode, wherever you happen to be listening or watching it, to two articles in my blog. And those two articles are, Does, do B vitamins give you cancer? And do antioxidants give you cancer? There's a lot of research in those articles. And again, these are pulled from my book, from larger commentaries. But the point is this. These cases where this research is being done, where they find some sort of relationship between antioxidants and cancer, and there is, absolutely, the cases are where people have existing tumors. This is a very important thing to understand. They have existing tumors. There's a famous study on vitamin E and vitamin A and lung cancer where they, they say, oh, see, vitamin A causes lung cancer. But if you look at these studies in detail, and a lot of people don't understand these things because they don't have discernment in this area, the form of the vitamins they used were very crummy forms. They used beta carotene, whereas your body needs retinol. Retinol is the animal form of vitamin A. Beta carotene comes from carrots and stuff, and it's not you know, it's not bad, obviously, if you're eating it from carrots, but if you're synthesizing it, there can be some problems. And so we'll, we'll talk about these things, but the, the issue is form is number one. Number two is that these cases already had cancer. And so that's, that's a big problem because cancers are constantly feeding on nutrition. So what they have found, like in the case of B vitamins, for example, certain B vitamins like B6, B9, and B12, which are part of the methylated B vitamins. These vitamins are food for cancer cells. Now that shouldn't scare you in the sense that, oh my gosh, if I take those, I'm gonna get cancer. That's not how science works. That's not how conclusions work. What happens is two things. If you have cancer already, it may be a good idea to not take such things. And this is one of those things where, again, you wanna prevent yourself from ever getting there but if you are in that situation, then that's something to talk to an oncologist about. And not just any oncologist, not somebody who's working for the system and is looking to put you on chemotherapy or, you know, all these expensive cancer drugs, but somebody who is actually familiar with nutrition, familiar with other modalities that can help treat your cancer. And there are people out there. I don't have specific recommendations, but ultimately there are people out there and you have to do your research because the modern system 
is a system of slavery. It wants to enslave you and take your money. So the point is that if you have cancer, then it is something to look into with certain antioxidants. Because antioxidants have an effect. Everything you take has an effect on genes. Even when you eat, those things affect your genes. They turn genes on, they turn genes off. We don't even understand the full complexity of that. Now, what seems to happen when you have a lot of antioxidants that you're taking, especially if you aren't taking care of your body, which a lot of people don't, that fools one of your genes who is sort of like a, I'm trying to simplify this, but it's like a protector gene. It's like a supervisor gene. And this gene polices and sees, okay, what's going on? What's going on with our free radicals? What's going on with our cancer levels? And if you saturate your body with these antioxidants, it reduces, and again, this is very dumbed down. This is, don't think that you, by taking vitamin C, now you're going to get cancer. This is not the conclusion. My point is, in certain cases, what happens is, especially if you have genetic issues, which we'll talk about in a little bit, it's one of the reasons, what happens is the, the supervisor gene down-regulates, meaning it doesn't police as hard because it thinks, oh, we, we have plenty of antioxidant power. I don't need to, you know, mobilize any resources. I have, I'm, I'm good. But that's a false positive to that gene. And so what happens is that allows the cancer cells to grow and be basically to proliferate by not being policed. Now, this tends to happen in people who are taking high levels of poor quality vitamins like beta carotene or, you know, high, super ridiculously high levels of B12 and B6 and B9, while, this is very important, this is the asterisk, while they're also doing things like smoking, eating junk food, you know, working in a very hazardous environment. All these things combine together to make a perfect storm because you have these, you know, irritants, which are creating more free radicals and more mutations in your body. And you are flooding your body with food for cancer as opposed to having a comprehensive nutrition program, which we'll talk about a little bit as well, that incorporates all of the nutrients so that your body can actually fight off this damage and also maintain its immune system. And so basically keep the cancer from ever proliferating. We all have cancer cells every day. Your immune system is killing them. And depending on how healthy you are and the other conditions surrounding you, those things will either develop or not. Right? So it's a constant balance. It's a Genesis curse, man. We are dying every day. And so my point, my point is take this research with a grain of salt. There's a lot of positive research on the use of antioxidants and nutrition to treat cancer naturally. I have a friend who had breast cancer and she reduced it with natural methods. Okay. And again, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying there are ways. For example, iodine. I have a whole chapter in my book dedicated to iodine and I have some audios, but I would like to do a video podcast at some point in the future on iodine because iodine has been so demonized. Iodine is probably one of the most important things people need to be taking because of its role in preventing against cancer, specifically cancers of the glands like the prostate, the breasts, the ovaries, the thyroid, all these different things. And there's a whole mechanism behind that, but Iodine has been demonized in this country. Whereas if you look in countries like Japan, where historic now they're not because they're Americanized, but when they historically ate 
the way they used to eat. They were eating like 20 milligrams of iodine per day. There was no incidence of any kind of cancers in Japan. Now, since the 1970s or so, when they got Americanized and started eating, you know, tons of dairy and fried foods and whatever else, now what do you have? Well, you have the same rates that you have in the United States. Isn't that something? So ultimately, there are answers, and it's about understanding how things work. Any kind of imbalance is going to give you an imbalanced result. So don't take this research and say, oh my gosh, I, I'm gonna, I can't take vitamin C because I, I'm going to get cancer. That's not true. If you have cancer, then it is very important that you speak with somebody who's knowledgeable about these things and how to treat cancer with nutrition in the right way. More often than not, it's probably going to involve iodine because iodine is very specific to cancer, and I'm not going to get into it here because it's a whole shebang. But there's a list, actually, if you go to breastcancerchoices.org, I'll list that actually in the, I didn't plan on doing that today, but I'll list it in the description for this episode. Breastcancerchoices.org. And there's a list of iodine literate providers who you can look into. And there's a lot of research on iodine. I've been taking iodine for the last two years, 50 milligrams a day. That doesn't mean you have to take that much, but I realized that based on my genes and you know other factors that that's the amount that I needed. Now that amount is, we'll get into this in a little bit. It's one of the reasons too, is it's like 50,000 times the RDI. And everybody says, oh no, that's, you're gonna poison yourself. Not true, not true at all. Actually, I feel great every time I take it. My mind is sharp. I have energy to do the things I need to do. It's natural energy because we need iodine. Iodine is a necessary nutrient. It's a necessary nutrient for your thyroid, which controls your metabolism, your energy levels. It's a necessary nutrient for your brain to avoid brain fog. It, it I mean, I could talk about, that's why I said, I'm going to probably do an episode in the future. But anyway, I'm getting distracted. The point is this. Read everything with a grain of salt. You have to learn to develop a fine eye when it comes to research because nothing is conclusive. There's always an agenda and they're always trying to spin it in a direction one way or another. I'm not saying that supplement companies aren't using research to try to persuade you. I'm just saying learn to to have discernment. So with that said, a lot of people might say this, but wait a minute, I don't need to supplement because I can get all of my nutrition from food. That's probably like one of the, the most popular things that I hear. And one of the things that I believed for a little while too, like, oh, we don't need a supplement until I learned differently. And I want to bring to your attention a very important article. And there are many like it. This is from Growing Life in Oxford, England. It's called 70 Years of Nutritional Decline. Today's fruits and vegetables are lacking in vitamins and minerals. It's about a study that they did. And there's so many studies like these, you can look them up. But here are some of the results. In a landmark study, Professor Donald Davis and his team at the University of Texas at Austin studied U.S. Department of Agricultural Nutritional data from both 1950 and 1999 for 43 different vegetables and fruits. Now, keep in mind that this study, even though it's landmark, it is already 20 years old, right? So they went through 1999. It's almost 25 years old. Imagine that basically in this period of time of 50 years, the rate of decline you have another 25 years to, to come to t- today's current date, if that makes any sense. So the numbers are worse than these. But anyway, moving on. Their findings showed consistent declines in the amount of protein, calcium, phosphorus, iron, vitamin A, riboflavin, and vitamin C. 6% decline in protein, 9% decline in phosphorus, 15% decline in iron, 
15% vitamin C, 16% decline in calcium, 18% decline in vitamin A, 38% decline in uh, vitamin B2, which is riboflavin. Professor Davis and his colleagues think that this is due to the spread of agricultural practices designed to improve traits such as size, growth rate, pest resistance, and anything other than nutrition, which is true. They also think that the decline in nutrition in our fruits and vegetables may be due to the soil being depleted of nutrients due to modern intensive farming techniques, which is also true. We've gotten away from the way things should be done. I mean, look at some of the, these other things. Zinc, minus 7, 59%. Uh, in vegetables and in fruits, minus 27%. Copper, minus 76%. In vegetables and fruits, minus 20%. Magnesium, minus 24%. In vegetables, minus 16% in fruits. So what is the point of this study? Well, the point, the point, if you haven't gotten it yet, is that soil is not what it used to be because of many reasons. Industrial fertilizers, for example, make certain minerals. I mean, they, they pump up food, but they, they're designed just for that, just to get food out on the table so they can make a profit because they need to. If you're a farmer and, you know, your whole livelihood relies on what you grow, you know, that's a, that's a pretty tough position to be in, especially with how the government basically treats farmers. But industrial fertilizers block the uptake of many minerals. One good example is boron. Boron is, I could talk, I have a whole article on boron on my, uh, on my blog. Boron is a fantastic mineral. They've done so many studies on boron. Look up nothing boring about boron. It's a huge study that was done. So many benefits to boron. It's one of the few minerals that can chelate fluoride from your body. And they've done, it's, it's not toxic at all. You could take, it's less toxic than salt, basically. It's good for osteoporosis. It's good for arthritis. I mean, there's so many uses to it. But boron is naturally found in stone fruits and other things like apples and whatever else. But because of industrial fertilization, there's no boron in those foods anymore. So again, God made things good. That's what the Bible says, right? Genesis 1. He made the trees and the fruits and the animals. Everything was good. And it's true. You don't need anything else. But there's a big asterisk. We also live in time and space. And we are now several thousands of years into the Genesis curse. And really at the end of time, basically. So we are in a very different situation. Unfortunately, apples and stone fruits... I'm not saying you shouldn't eat them. I'm saying they're not as nutritious. And nothing is as nutritious as it used to be. Some people even say that if you ate, let's say if the servings of vegetables, like five servings of vegetables in 1900, to get the same equivalent impact, you'd have to eat 10 servings of fruits and vegetables uh, in the modern day, probably even more. Some, even, some people even say 12. So the point is this, eat as many fruits and vegetables as you can, more vegetables than fruits. But even then, you'll see why that's not the best strategy. Now, another thing I want to bring to your attention is that farmers are always looking to make a profit. Unfortunately, fraud. Farmers caught selling conventional crops as organic. And so you can read this article yourself. But basically, you know, they, they, they caught these farmers selling these products that are, you know, they're, they're not organic, basically, as organic. Now, again, I'm going to say this over and over again. My goal today is not to make you paranoid. It's really not. God did not give us a spirit of fear. It's really just to open your eyes to the amount of deception and misinformation and attack that there's been on food 
and health over the last, you know, several hundred years, especially the last hundred years. I mean, if you know anything about the pharmaceutical industry and how Rockefeller discovered oil, and that was the 1900s, and basically realized that he could make pharmaceutical drugs from his petrochemicals, and then he recruited a man named Flexner. This is all in my book. You can read about it, the Flexner Report, if you know anything about that. The Flexner Report basically discredited everybody in, you know, the United States that was running a any kind of alternative school, any kind of nutritional school, a homeopathic school. Not that I super agree with homeopathics, but still, they should have a right to be schools, right? If they create results, then okay. But the Flexner Report was commissioned by J.P. Morgan and Rockefeller, and then it was presented to Congress, and then they basically took over the health industry. Where do you, when you look at all these hospitals and all these organizations, who do they pay homage to? Rockefeller, the Rockefeller Center, the this Rockefeller, that Rockefeller. It's a mafia. It's it's grabbed. They they grabbed over the health education of doctors. They grabbed the health industry a long time ago. So if you understand these simple things of history, they're not conspiracy theories. Pharmaceutical drugs have been in control for a very long time. And so that means that the narrative has also been under control. And of course, there's always an agenda. But thank God that we have the means to learn and to educate ourselves. Now, I want you to understand a couple things about farmers. Again, this is not about being paranoid. It's just about being realistic. Most people don't grow their food. Okay, what does that mean? That means that we have all been slowly accustomed to being dependent on the beast. And one day that's going to come at a very high price, which I've talked about in my end time series. But nonetheless, nobody grows their own food, which means that we're all dependent on grocery stores and grocery stores are dependent on farmers. So there's a lot of pressure on farmers. And if you know all the misdeeds and trickery that the government does with them, especially recently, if you know anything about the last two years with various things happening with farmers and, and food plants and things like that, then you know what's going to happen. They're human beings. Now, I'm not making excuses for them, but they're human. Everybody's human. And when pushed in a corner and they have to feed their family, they will cut corners. They will cut corners and they'll do anything just to keep their business alive. Some of them are very unscrupulous, obviously, human nature, but some of them maybe are well-meaning individuals that are still having to cut corners or do various things because otherwise they would basically starve. And so this is a very real thing. The industry has been corrupted because the people in charge do not want you growing your own food. They do not want you to be healthy. And so they're snipping away at everything around you and manipulating it from the from behind the scenes. So as usual, it's the snake pitting one person against the other and profiting from it. So unless you grow your own food, and even then, even when you're own when even when you're growing your own food, which we'll see some other reasons why, it's not totally perfect or ideal. But unless you're growing your own food, then you really don't know what you're getting because food is not as nutritious as it was. That's reason number one, and reason number. Two, which ties into it, is that there are nutrient relations between foods. And we'll, we'll jump that into a second. But again, if you're growing your own food, you have a little more assurance of what you're getting. Nonetheless, even the seeds themselves and everything else, again, if you understand there's no such thing as evolution, that things lose information over time as they come into new generations, things become just less and less over time. 
this is part of the Genesis curse. And that's the only explanation that I can give because ultimately it's entropy. It is death. We can imagine that in the Garden of Eden, things were probably very, very different. They probably had huge produce. You could probably eat out of an apple for the whole week. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. But the point is, it was very different. Very different situation. But the second reason is nutrient relationships. Now, this is a little more fundamental thing rather than nutrients being depleted from food. There's nutrient relationships that you have to you have to keep in mind, which is the following. Like everything God created, pairs, right? In male and female, he created them. Two of, a, two of a kind, two of the same kind, male and female. And you see that everywhere. You see the dance of life. And ultimately, God created pairs of nutrients as well. There's no difference. Nutrition is... And optimal health is a constant balancing act because nutrients are related to each other. And if you have too much of one, it it makes a reaction and it depletes the other. If then you put too much of the other, then it, so it's like this. It's a constant teeter-totter. This is what people don't understand. Say, oh, I'll just take this supplement or I'll just take this nutrient. Okay, well, that's why you need to take a complete nutrition program, a comprehensive nutrition program that accounts for all of your minerals and vitamins at least most of the important ones, especially the ones that are in relationship with with one another. For example, like vitamin D. There's some studies that vitamin D causes arrhythmia, high levels of vitamin D. So don't take, oh my gosh, don't take too much vitamin D. You're going to kill yourself. Well, look, I'm going to give you my own story with vitamin D. I've lived in Phoenix now practically my whole adult life, the last 30 something years. If you know, Phoenix is pretty much the devil's backyard with the heat and the sun that we have. I've had sun exposure practically every day. And I also was taking some vitamin D, about 400% of the RDI. When I took my first vitamin D test to see what my levels were, they were below deficient. They were like 17, which is very bad. That puts you at risk for a lot of other things long-term. So put that in mind. How does that work? Well, the, the missing factor is genetics, which is one of the other reasons we're going to talk about. I've been taking 10,000 units of vitamin D, I mean, I don't even know, for probably 15 years now, and my vitamin D levels are fine. They're they're optimal because what happens is the body has self-regulating things that it deals with. It's a very intelligent mechanism. It's really, truly brilliant. And the more you learn about it, the more you realize that there is a creator, that there is an intelligent mind that designed it. But your your vitamin D receptors down-regulate after you have reached sufficiency, and so your body just doesn't absorb it as much, and so you can just maintain. So my point is there are correcting mechanisms. However, however, there's a big asterisk here, and this is what I was talking about, nutrient relationships. The big asterisk is this. Vitamin D needs magnesium, vitamin A, vitamin K, and boron. All four of those nutrients that I just listed, K2, vitamin A, esretinol, magnesium, and boron, all are needed to metabolize vitamin D and to work together. It's, it's a synergy. It's like a little family. It's a family of nutrients. So if you're just taking vitamin D without taking vitamin A or vitamin K, what do you think is going to happen, let alone without magnesium? Well, those nutrients will be depleted. They'll, the body's trying to... body has, okay, I have vitamin D. I need these other ones to work, so what am I going to do? Well, it's going to pull it from your body from your muscles, from your tissues, from your immune system, which we'll get back to because that's a very important point. And it's going to leach from those areas to be able to react to the vitamin D that you're taking. 
So do you see how this creates a problem if you're not comprehensive in your approach? And that's why you have this misinformation with, with certain studies. Which say, oh my gosh, too much vitamin D can kill you. It's not true. I mean, first off, vitamin D, 10,000 units is the upper tolerable dosage. People have taken 50,000 units. Of course, you shouldn't take that every day at all. But they've taken that, I think something like 100,000 units over a period of three months and, you know, like a, a one dosage of 100,000 units. And they have no side effects. So now that doesn't mean you should do that. I'm not saying that at all because there are people with different genetic issues that uptake it differently. So again, that's another factor. But the point is this, there are nutrient relationships. And so all these studies talking about the dangers of one nutrient over another is because they study them in isolation. They don't understand that they come in pairs. They have to be utilized in pairs and in groups of little families. And that's how it works. And that's why I said this is a practice. And I talk about a lot of these things in my blog, in my book, but the point is this, the normal course of diet that we have is based on habit, right? So if we're just talking about food alone, you tend to eat kind of the same things over time, which means that you will have an imbalance, plain and simple, of one area or another. And so what that does is it creates an imbalance in another area. Do you see my point? Because everything requires everything else. You need a comprehensive nutrition program that accounts for your major minerals and your major vitamins. Some things can be gotten from the diet. We'll go over those. But most of the important things cannot be obtained from the diet, let alone in a therapeutic amount, which we will get back to later. Now, another thing I want to mention on this particular reason is that this is why multivitamins are usually a waste of money. And I'm sorry to say that if you're taking multivitamins, I don't bash them because the main thing I look at is the form of the nutrient. That's more important. However, another asterisk, when you have all these nutrients in one pill, or let's say two or three pills, and there's just a bunch of stuff and people think, oh my gosh, I'm getting all of this stuff. And it's only in a couple pills. Well, the thing that people don't realize is that nutrients cancel each other out. Riboflavin and boron create a chelate, makes it unabsorbable. Calcium blocks the absorption of zinc. Even if they're in good forms, I try not to take too much calcium with things like zinc. Uh, copper and zinc compete for absorption. Manganese and, and calcium compete for absorption. So there are synergistic relationships, right, where certain things amplify others. For example, vitamin E, selenium, and vitamin C. They all work together. So taking them together is not going to create any problems. Then you have, you know, sort of neutral relationships, right? In the sense where it's not so much taking them together that's the matter, but rather the status in your tissues. So for example, if I take vitamin D without vitamin K, it's going to eventually reduce the vitamin K in my tissues. See the point? So that's kind of a more of a, just a, a cofactor relationship. But then you have the relationship that everybody should be aware of. This is the one that's the point here because there's a ton of different relationships. But the, the relationship that's really the thing you should be concerned with is antagonistic relationships or competitive relationships. All the fat-soluble vitamins compete with each other. A, D, K, and E. They all compete with each other because there's only one set of receptors that absorb them. And so if you take all those in high amounts together, chances are you are not getting what's on the bottle. Do you see the problem? And so when you're taking a multivitamin with 
a ton of different nutrients in it, you're not getting what's on the bottle at all. Now, that's the same for food. Food is full of, you know, like a piece of kale is full of different nutrients, and they're all good, but you're not getting what's in that kale because of nutrient relationships and because of other things we'll talk about, like anti-nutrients. So, again, nutrient relationships, there's many different kinds. There's synergistic, there's, you know, cofactor type relationships where you need one for the other in your body. And then there's antagonistic relationships. The antagonistic kind is the kind that we want to be concerned with, especially when you're thinking about multivitamins or these other types of things where they promise you a a ton of stuff and, you know, oh my gosh, you have all this stuff in the vitamin. But really it's not. You're not getting those things. They're canceling each other out. And so this is where supplement timing comes into place, understanding. Now, again, (laughs) I'm not trying to make you obsessed or paranoid. It's just being aware and being honest. And so that's why this is a practice. It takes time to realize, okay, like, how do I integrate these things that are actually good into my habits so that they actually do what they're supposed to? That's really what it's about. And very few people understand that. That's why there's so much misinformation and different opinions on this topic. But moving on, reason number three is toxins. And I could probably have a whole episode on this alone but I'll give you a few articles just to take a look at. So we have this first article is Plasticenta, first evidence of microplastics in human placenta. And this is basically a study. Now, I'm not going to read it for you, but there's a lot of studies like this where you have all these samples that are taken from women's placentas, especially in the last 20 years, where very worrying things have been found. Microplastics, cadmium, lead, mercury, you know, all kinds of nasty things. Where is that from? Well, it's from the environment that we're in. It is contaminated. The water is contaminated. Of course, if you have a nice filter, that helps a little bit. But, you know, the fruits themselves and vegetables that are basically watered. How do you think they're, do you think they use reverse osmosis water to water your vegetables to grow them? No, they use tap water. They use water that's basically contaminated. That leaches into the soil. The soil is toxic. You have microplastics. You have all the stuff they're doing in the air with the contrails. I mean, come on. We are literally in a a cage and being smoked with all of these different things. It's not conspiracy theory, and it it's shown in these types of studies where they looked at placenta studies. So what does this mean? Think about the implication. That means that a baby that's born today, you have no chance. You're already born with all these 189 chemicals was one of the studies of, you know, in the placenta. You're already born with that swimming around your body. Now, Consider this, consider all the jib jabs that they're giving kids, especially nowadays, something like 200 before the age of seven, on top of all the toxins that are in the environment. I mean, it is absolutely astounding that people are still alive, that the human body can still withstand this level of assault and offense. It's really, truly a testament to God's glory that he created such a resilient machine. Imagine what it would have been like for Adam. I mean, I just... That's what gets me excited about the resurrection. It really is because having a body in the way that is perfect, that God, you know, God's perfect engineering, 
is going to be displayed in the resurrection body. I mean, that's just a fantastic thought for me. No more aging, no more pain, no more death. It's it's truly phenomenal. So something to be excited about. But another article is on the reactivity of silica. Now, this is from the Royal Society of Chemistry. And this is a new article. Again, this is like, what, a couple days ago. Unexpected reactivity of silica places question mark over safety of food additives. Pure silica particles, which were thought to be inert and are widely used in food and cosmetics, can facilitate oxidation of cell-protecting antioxidant thiol molecules by converting them to disulfides. Don't worry if you don't understand this, we'll break it down. Although the study did not investigate the reactions in vivo, meaning in a live participant, the team suggests its findings are concerning and recommends further studies to determine their safety. Thiol-containing compounds, such as glutathione, which is the body's master antioxidant, are biologically important as antioxidants. If the depletion of thiols by silica occurs in the human body, it could lead to toxicity, disease, and aging, explains Yangji Li, who led the study in Richard Zare's lab at Stanford University. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration allows up to 2% by weight of silica particles, also known as silicon dioxide, to be added to food. Meanwhile, the U allows up to 1% by weight in dried powdered additive in foods. It's mainly used as an anti-caking agent in dry products such as flour, spices, and powders. So why did I bring this article to your attention? Well, the reason I brought it to your attention is because we have no clue what any of these things do. We really don't. I mean, look at history, especially in the last 150 years. They thought DTT was a good thing, spraying people with that. You know, fluoride. How many times has fluoride been regulated? Do you know how many times fluoride, the, the safe quote-unquote limit of fluoride has been regulated? And, oh, well, we got a different number now. Let's make it a little bit lower because we realize this might be a problem. I mean, think about, first off, the concept of having a minimum level for a poison. Think about that, what that means, how, how stupid that is. Because how do you regulate what is a safe level of a toxin for everybody? How do you do that? How, do you, how can you reconcile a 300-pound man and what's safe for him and a 20-pound child and what's safe for her? How do, you, how do you reconcile the two? And the question is, or the answer is you don't. You don't reconcile the two. So with fluoride, for example, there's a safe limit, right, that you can take, but that safe limit is different for a child than it is for an adult. So if you're standardizing it in water or whatever else, and somebody is drinking a lot of water and they have a very low body weight, that's a very different impact than somebody who's not drinking a lot of water, or I should say that kind of water, and is a very big person. Do you see the problem? It's just like sugar. Sugar in itself, it's okay to have a sugary snack every now and then, but when kids who are 20 pounds, I'll never forget, I used to tutor kids a long time, and you can imagine how that went with my name, but I used to tutor elementary kids in like math and, and English and all kinds of stuff. And I'll never forget, I had this little girl, she I was probably, I don't know, second or third grade. And I came one day to tutor them as a little group of kids. And she literally had this bag of these, I don't even know, these wiggle worms made of like sugar, you know, these, these just trash food, basically. And she's just eating it, putting her hand, dirty little hand in there and just eating it, just handfuls of these sugar worms. And she probably weighed, I don't know, 20, 30 pounds. I have no idea. But imagine 
the, the blood sugar spike in that child's blood. And no wonder why we see obesity, diabetes, osteoporosis, even in children and teens. It's so sad. It really is. But, you know, cancer rates are rising. Autoimmune issues are rising. Chronic issues are rising. Digestive concerns are rising. Uh, endocrine issues are rising. Why? Why are they rising? And the answer is because we have a toxic environment full of things like microplastics, uh, you know, BPA, all these uh, estrogens, you know, poor oils, heavy metals, pesticides, mold, uh, you know, hyper-resistant bacteria. I mean, there's just so much stuff. It really is. I mean, you could, like I said, you could probably have a whole episode just on how toxic the world is. And certainly I go into more detail in my book. But look, medication is also toxic. If you're taking medication, do you know that medication reduces the nutrients in your body? Here's a drug-induced nutrient depletion chart. And you can look and see on this chart. And there's plenty of these like these on the internet. But opiates, you know, what do they do? Well, they reduce uh, folic acid, vitamin C, iron, and potassium. So they, they reduce these things because these nutrients are used up in neutralizing the effects of opiates. What about statin drugs? Well, they, they use up your coenzyme Q10, which ironically is needed for heart health. So you're taking something for your heart, which actually lowers an important element for the heart, you know, beating and health of the heart overall, which is coenzyme Q10. ACE inhibitors, they're taken for high blood pressure and they lower zinc, which is important for a lot of things like your immune system. Uh, you know, some of these diuretics, again, vitamin D, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, all these, you know, drugs, they have countless nutrients that they, that they deplete in the body. So what does that mean? Well, it means something very simple, that if you're taking drugs, if you've taken drugs, that you probably have deficiencies in your body, that your body is accommodating for, because the body is very intelligent. It takes from Peter to, you know, pay Paul, but eventually Peter's not going to have any more money. And that's when you start seeing disease. Disease is really the result of your body not being able to cope with the underlying deficiencies that it has and the damage, inflammation, and being unable to repair the inflammation. We're dying every day. The question is, how fast do you want to die? Of course, again, we don't have control over that. That's God's sovereign choice. However, that doesn't mean we just sit on a couch and eat McDonald's all day, right? God has given us a spirit of courage, a spirit to love the things he's made. And one of those things is the body and to appreciate it. So medication is toxic, and look, the overall point of this is the toxins deplete nutrients in your body. Everybody has toxins. Everybody has toxic problems of one way or another, because there's a ton of different toxins in the environment, and you cannot avoid them. And they deplete nutrients by two main reasons. One of them is because they cause damage in the body, and that damage requires the body to figure out, okay, I need to do damage control. For example, when you drink a soda, a soda is an extremely acidic thing. It's got phosphoric acid. It's a very acidic substance. People have used it to clean, you know, I think there's videos of people using it to clean, you know, motors or something. But soda, Coke, is very bad for you because it's very acidic. When you drink that acidic substance that has no nutritional value whatsoever, it's an imbalance. So your body senses that 
and it says, "Uh uh-oh, I have to balance this out. Well, there's nothing in the substance that I can use to balance this out, so I have to rip minerals that are alkaline from where? From your bones and from your teeth, calcium and magnesium. That's why the United States has the highest rate of osteoporosis, despite it being the highest consumer of dairy products. Did you know that? And the reason is because we have a very acidic diet. And the acid that we are accumulating in our bodies is not being balanced out by enough nutrition. Now, there's a whole, this is a whole nother can of worms. And I talk about things like alkaline water and all this stuff. These things are scams. Okay, alkaline water is a total scam. Acidity in the body is not as simple as drinking alkaline water. Because when you drink alkaline water, your stomach is acid. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to neutralize the water. So alkaline water is nonsense. The reason your body is acid or alkaline doesn't have to do with the water that you drink. It has to do with the mineral reserves that you have, namely calcium and magnesium. And when you have an imbalance in the acidity phase, because you're eating a lot of sugars, you're not eating a lot of nutritious foods, then your body loses calcium and magnesium because it's trying to balance these reactions in your body out. Your blood has a very specific pH level. And if that pH level changes by a hair, you can die. You have serious problems. So imagine the concert of things that are happening to keep that pH window so narrow constantly. Your body is like an incredible machine, but it uses constant influx of minerals and okay, take this one out, bring it back in. I mean, it's crazy what, what's going on under the surface, but that's what happens. And so because that happens, if you have an imbalance in the way that you live your life, you will eventually come to have holes in your bones, in your teeth, because of the reasons that I just stated. Another reason that toxins deplete nutrients is because they replace nutrients. One example is fluoride. Fluoride replaces iodine in your thyroid, because if you look on the periodic chart, fluoride is actually more attractive chemically than iodine. Now, if you don't understand what that means, it's okay. All it means is, if you can imagine iodine is a magnet and fluoride is a bigger magnet, who's gonna win? Fluoride. Fluoride is the bigger magnet. And so if fluoride replace, it pushes iodine out of the way, it looks like iodine because it's in the same group, but it's more attractive. And so it, it nudges iodine out of the way in the, in the cells and the places where iodine is supposed to react. But fluoride doesn't do anything. And so it causes problems. It causes damage. It causes things to stop working. See the problem? And now that that is a chain reaction too. And so this is why fluoride is such a deadly poison. And with iodine, in this case, you need way more iodine to push it out. That's why there is a whole thing on iodine sufficiency developed by Guy Abraham, Dr. Brownstein, and um, gosh, I forget the other guy's name. But anyway, I I interviewed him on my podcast. Anyway, Guy Abraham, the research of Guy Abraham is fascinating on iodine. And it it goes to show you just how much iodine has been demonized. But that's the point, is that these toxins either replace good minerals in your body and they, they work problems, or they just do damage, like mercury, obviously, mercury, lead, cadmium, these things are toxins. So toxins are pretty very real. There's all kinds of toxins. You can get tested for toxins. But in the end, 
unless you're having an acute situation, right? Like you're having, let's say, really serious brain fog. If you're having manifestations of different kinds of things, like super rashes or, you know, you just feel sick, whatever, it's warranted to get a toxin uh, study. Now, you can get hair tests for that. Those are very reliable for toxins. Not reliable for mineral status. A lot of people in the alternative field think they are or they're not. I'll give you a much better option. But they are reliable for toxins, like heavy metals, lead, cadmium, mercury. Hair tests can do that, but it's a long-term test. It looks at the average over the last, you know, six months. But you also have urine tests, and there's a lot of things that can be tested in the urine, like mold, like certain metabolites, certain metals, certain environmental toxins, like all these microplastics and things that we talked about, BPA. Look, the list is literally hundreds and hundreds of dangerous things. Not to mention the Wi-Fi, not to mention all these electrical things that are around us all the time. It's truly amazing that the body is able to do what it, what it can do. So this is something to take to heart because the world we live in is extremely toxic. Absolutely. No question about it. You cannot be passive in such an environment. And that's the point. Now, reason number four is genes. We've touched on this a little bit in the past. I go into great detail in my book. I talk about a lot of genetic stuff there. Again, you know, something for you to consider. I don't necessarily think you need to be obsessed with it. But if that's your thing, then the detail is in the book. However, here's the point. Here's the, in a nutshell, idea. Every nutrient that you eat, that you consume, whether it's from a pill or from an apple, every nutrient is governed by genes, right? So for example, vitamin D has a VDR gene. Now, certain people with SNPs or SNPs, SNP stands for single nucleotide polymorphism, which is just a fancy scientific name for basically an entry in the genetic code. It's an entry in the genetic code. And sometimes that entry, instead of a T, it can be a G, or instead of an A, it could be a C, right? So there's some something that went wonky because we live in the Genesis curse and God's presence is not here on earth to regulate everything and keep it from decaying. We live in the Genesis curse and these things happen. Single nucleotide polymorphisms Everybody has them. The question is, are they significant? And are they in genes that affect your nutrient absorption? So now back to my vitamin D story. If you recall, I've been taking 10,000 units a day for the last 15, 20 years. And when I first tested it, I was very deficient despite being in the sun every day and taking some vitamin D as well. How do you explain that? Well, you explain that with a poor VDR gene which a lot of people have. I got it from my parents because my parents have the same issues with vitamin D. So 100% chance probably they have VDR issues. Now it's my gene is, I'm not, we're not talking like genetic mutation where you have a genetic disease because that's on the far end of the spectrum. We're talking about before that because it's a spectrum, the spectrum of health. And so you can have a partially functioning gene. You can have a 75% functioning gene. It's, it's a sliding scale, right? Before you get to the, you know, genetic disease portion where you, you have to have, you know, whatever, I don't know, an IV of vitamin D every day. But the point is, you know, I have a, I have a crummy VDR gene and you may too. And if that's the case, your needs for vitamin D go way up. You need way more than the average bear if you want to have optimal levels to prevent disease, to 
you know, make sure your immune system's good, make sure all the things the vitamin D does are good, like heart health and whatever else, right? So this is very important, very, very important to understand that genes play a crucial role and not a lot of people, although now it is changing, it, the industry is starting to be, you know, personalized genetic nutrition and that kind of stuff. But even those things are, I think, kind of scammy. I think at the end of the day, you have to run a genetic test yourself. I use a company called Self Decode. I'll put a link for it in um, in the resources here. But the point is this. The point is that everybody has genetic issues. And if you have SNPs in various genes, you will not be able to absorb nutrients like you think you are. If you don't have SNPs and they're functioning normally, then most of the time you probably won't have a deficiency. But the point is that we have a lot of SNPs in a lot of genes. Most of people's genetic profile is far from optimum. And what that means is that you will have deficiencies over your life, which eventually lead to disease. It's unavoidable, especially with the added pressure of toxins, of stress, which we haven't even talked about yet, and all these other things. So ultimately, genes play a huge role. And how you do that is you get a genetic study. Again, I use self-decode because they give you nice, convenient reports. Very detailed. Again, if it's not your thing, then you know, maybe don't worry about it. But if it is something you're curious about, you can have the information. And then once you have an idea and you've mapped out certain things, you know, and you understand, okay, like my vitamin D gene is probably not the best. Okay. What about your MTHFR gene? That's for methylated vitamins like B6, B9, and B12. Let's see how that one is. Oh, that one's not too good either. Okay. So I can expect certain things. Then what you do in conjunction with this data, which you only do it once, but then you sign up for a spectracell test. And again, I'll link that in the description. A spectracell test is very simple and it's been around for a very long time and is very ahead of its time. Spectracell is a company that patented a system of evaluation using lymphocytes, white blood cells, where they basically what they do is they, they, they take your white blood cells and they put them in Petri dishes that are filled with everything that that white blood cell needs to reproduce and thrive, except the nutrient being tested. So it's an absence that determines by absence how much of that nutrient you actually have in your cells. This is very important. So I'm going to try to explain it as simply as I possibly can. Let's say you want to test for vitamin C. Well, how do you do that? You ever thought about that? How do you, how do you know how much vitamin C you need? Or how, how do you know how much vitamin K is in your body? Well, you can't test your blood for these things because your blood is trying to be perfect all the time. Remember the pH example? Well, that example is the same with every other nutrient. If you suddenly put a compound in your blood, even a, a normal nutrient like calcium, if you just IV'd some calcium in your blood, you would have a heart attack or you, at least you'd have arrhythmia because calcium regulates the beating of your heart. So you don't want that. And again, that's why you have a digestive system. That's why food goes through your stomach, your small colon, your large colon, and then liver. And all these things happen before they get to the blood. Your body has an incredible amount of filters that it takes something through before it gets to the blood. So keep that in mind. The blood is constantly being filtered and protected. And so what you see in the blood is not indicative of your nutritional status. Okay, if you have a nutritional deficiency in your blood that's significant, that, that means you're really, really in trouble. 
because your body has run out of resources. Peter has run out of money to pay Paul, right? So Peter being the tissues and Paul being the blood in this case. Do you see where, where this is going? And so how do you test? Well, how you test is you have to know whether the nutrients are getting into your cells. Cellular nutrition. You have to know whether the nutrients are actually getting in your cells. Because you could take something and think, oh gosh, okay, the bottle tells me I'm getting this much and I'm good. Well, how do you know? How do you know that you have taken enough? And the answer is you don't know unless you test. But how do you test? Well, that's another question, right? That's, that's the main question of the day. And the question is, or the answer is, you test with a cellular test. Now, they do have a red blood cell uh, test where you can basically test certain nutrients like iron and magnesium in your red blood cells. But that is also useless for the large part because, and I'll tell you why, it's a very important reason. Red blood cells do not have a nucleus. Red blood cells do not reproduce. They, they're not metabolically active. Okay, whereas a white blood cell, a lymphocyte, is metabolically active. It has a nucleus, meaning it represents your genetic profile. Do you see how ingenious this is? A white blood cell, and there's a lot of research on the correlations between nutrient levels in, in your immune system, meaning the health of your immune system, and the rest of your body. So what you find in your white blood cells can be relatively and intelligently expected and broadened out to the rest of your body. What you see in your white blood cell is probably give or take what you have in your body because your white blood cells need to be very healthy. That's a rep representation of your body. It's your immune system and they're metabolically active. They have a nucleus. So all the genetic issues that you have will show up in the white blood cell test. So what this test does, SpectraCell, it's called, it basically puts the blood cell in a Petri dish, but it removes like the nutrient being tested, like vitamin K. Now, if your white blood cell has a lot of vitamin K, then it'll survive a good amount of time, right? That makes sense. But if the vitamin K is very deficient, that'll be the limiting factor and it's not gonna grow. Do you see how this works? And based off of that growth, you can infer how much vitamin K you have. So that's the best way to, to evaluate the status of vitamins and minerals in your body, for most of them at least. I don't think iodine, they haven't figured out a way to test iodine, but there's other ways to test for iodine, which we will not be talking about in this episode because that's a whole episode. But the point is the testing is very important. Now, once you have that baseline test, and you are armed with your genetic information. And you can say, okay, I looks like I'm deficient in vitamin D. And this is what happened to me. And I also have genetic issues with vitamin D. So let me try taking 5,000 units per day and see what happens. So you go and you do that for, let's say, two or three months, four months. You get another blood test. Okay, it's you know medium. And you compare it with another spectra cell test didn't really do much. So the conclusion is what? The conclusion is that 5,000 units is not good enough. You need to take more. And so then you increase your amount. So look, this is how we do it. This is how you really do health. If you want to do health, it's not as simple as buying the latest product off Amazon, the latest multivitamin and taking a protein powder and that's it, you're healthy. If you really want to take control of your health and be in the dance of this system, you have to learn how the body works. You have to learn to be a scientist.
And you can be. You don't have to be a doctor to learn to evaluate your body from a scientific perspective. What do I observe? What do I do? What happens? Evaluate and then move to the next step and then move and adjust and adjust and adjust. That's why I said this is a practice. If you're really serious about this, it'll take you probably about a year or two at least of active trial and testing and investigating to really understand what's going on inside your body. But, but, big asterisk, it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth it to buy those years. Again, we don't know what God has planned for us. But from our perspective, we're living life one choice at a time. It's worth it to have health. It's worth it to have health span, to invest in your health, to invest in long-term optimal health. And again, we don't know what's going to happen in this generation. But in my mind, trying to be as healthy as possible so that you can weather stress, that you can weather chemical attacks, that you can weather whatever is on the pipeline. I don't know. But I do know that health is very important. So genes are a very important part of it. But number five, reason number five is anti-nutrients. Now, anti-nutrients... <laughs> Anti-nutrients doesn't mean that you're going to combine them with nutrients and they're going to explode. Anti-nutrients are just compounds that plants create that basically cancel the absorption of regular nutrients. And there's an interesting study, again, recent stuff uh, that I read. New research reveals why you shouldn't add a banana to your smoothies. Let's see what this is about, because I used to add bananas to my smoothies. Researchers have found that the enzyme polyphenol oxidase, PPO, in certain fruits like bananas can reduce the absorption of heart-healthy flavanols, especially when combined with flavanol-rich ingredients like berries. The study suggests choosing ingredients with low PPO activity, such as pineapples or oranges, when making smoothies to optimize flavanol absorption. New research suggests that blending certain ingredients in smoothies can influence whether your body is getting a nutritional boost. The study recently published by the Royal Society of Chemistry's journal, Food and Function, used smoothies to, to test how various levels of polyphenol oxidase, an enzyme mainly found in fruits and vegetables, affects the levels of flavanols in food to be absorbed by the body. Flavanols, if you didn't know, are a group of bioactive compounds that are good for your heart and cognitive health and are naturally found in apples, pears, blueberries, blackberries, grapes, and cocoa. One of my favorite ingredients, common smoothie ingredients. The researchers had participants drink a smoothie made with banana, which has natural, naturally high PPO activity, and a smoothie made with mixed berries, which have naturally low PPO activity. Participants also took a flavanol capsule as a control. Blood and urine samples were analyzed to measure how many flavanols were present in the body after ingesting the smoothie and the capsule, and the researchers found that those who drank the banana smoothie had 84% lower levels of flavanols in their bodies compared to the control. So why is this significant? Well, it's very significant for a lot of reasons because there are many anti-nutrients in plants that are by design that are canceling the activity of other healthy compounds, in this case, flavanols. They just realized this. I've been putting a banana in my shake and my shake has cocoa, cinnamon, you know, ginger, all these different high flavanol powders food powders, and I'm not going to do that anymore. Now, again, it's not about being paranoid. It's just about being realistic. There are many, like, for example, I use almonds in my shakes, like raw almonds for the protein and for the fat. But what I do is I soak those almonds before the night before. Why? So that I can peel them in the morning 
and get rid of their skins. Almond skins are rich in phytates. Phytates block the absorption of minerals like magnesium, calcium, iron, and you know other things. So basically, they interfere with absorption. And so all the nutritional benefits of the almond is most of them are basically canceled by these almond skins if you don't peel them. So if you like almonds, make sure you soak them. Actually, I, I like the taste more when, uh, when I peel them. But either way, the point is that everything has this. Could be part of the Genesis curse, I don't know. But it is true that anti-nutrients exist. There are things like lectins, phytates, oxalates, uh, you know, PPO, these different enzymes. Plants have a ton of chemicals in them. And most of the time, they're there to defend the plant and to prevent predators from eating them, right? Like another good example is chilies, like really hot peppers. Birds, because their digestive systems do not destroy the seeds of the chilies, they don't have a reaction to capsicum, which is the spice in a chili. Meaning a bird could eat a ghost pepper, a parrot could eat a ghost pepper, and it wouldn't it wouldn't even feel anything. It wouldn't bother it. It wouldn't irritate the bird. But for us, it does. Why? Because in God's genius, brilliant genius in how he created nature, our digestive systems destroy the seeds. And so the plants know that. Maybe, again, that's part of the Genesis curse. I don't know. But the plants know that. And so they burn predators that can destroy their seeds. So these types of relationships are in everything that you eat. And the bottom conclusion is that the nutrients that you think you're getting from food, which again is far less than it was 100 years ago, probably full of toxins and other things, is just not what you think it is. It really just isn't. Another thing to keep in mind is that a lot of food today is available all the time. Like bananas shouldn't be available during the winter. Do you see the problem? Food is available all the time. And in every, everywhere you go, you have anything that you want, as opposed to the relationships that God made. Bananas are only supposed to be in the place where there's bananas. They're not supposed to be in like Montana or, you know, whatever, New York, maybe, I don't know. But they're there, right? And so there are certain foods that grow where they're supposed to grow. And if you stick to those foods, it will work out much better than trying to say, oh, I'm going to get a food from... Madagascar, and then I'm going to eat that with a food from New York, and then I'm going to mix that with some food from Mexico. Do you see the problem? We don't know all these relationships, what's going on. Now, again, I'm not saying you shouldn't eat bananas. I love bananas. But it's something to consider yet again, that when you're putting a banana with all these very beneficial things like blueberries, blueberries are one of the best things you can eat, best fruits at least, that it basically cancels the benefit. And all you're getting is the sugar. So this is very important to consider. You know, some people talk about ancestral eating. Like, for example, where you grew up and your ancestors there, th there's a, a thing that you're adapted to, right? Into eating certain types of foods. And then you move somewhere like I did from Romania to the United States. And now we're eating all kinds of things. And so your body just doesn't respond to those types of things the same way. There's a lot of science behind that too. But, you know, you can also take this to the point where it's too much. It's obsession. Like, for example, Dr. Gundry, if you know who he is, he's all about lectins and he's all about, oh, you can't eat tomatoes, eat, don't eat eggplants, avoid all nightshades altogether. Well, here's my question to Dr. Gundry. How do you know? 
How do you know if lectins affect you or not? Now, of course, we know lectins are problematic. They can be, let's put it this way. They can be. But there's also some research that shows that a lot of these anti-nutrients have some health benefits too. And the foods that they come with are also very beneficial. They're rich in fiber. They're rich in nutrients. They're tasty, like beans. I love beans. I think they're great. I don't think that we should be dogmatic about it. However, again, everything is nuanced in health. So that's another thing I hope that you take away from this presentation is that everything is nuanced in health. There is no one size fits all. So this whole thing with Dr. Gundry and lectins, unless you've taken a lectin test, and I'll link one below, it's called the Lectin Zoomer by Vibrant Wellness, where they can test your body and see, okay, like you, your genes tend to respond to this lectin from a tomato much more than lectins from a bean. Okay, well then I'm not going to worry about eating beans. But if you have a high, like a red reaction, if you have a, you know, on the chart or whatever, like the, uh, a maximal reaction to something like tomatoes, then cook your tomatoes every time you eat them. Don't eat raw tomatoes if that's important to you, right? Don't load yourself up on things that are inflammatory. If you have already an inflammatory condition, then that's an even another reason not to eat tomatoes raw. Does that mean you should not eat tomatoes ever? No, not necessarily. Just cook them. Do you see how this works? So you have to be smarter about your decision-making. And the, But the point with all this is this. <laughs> what you're eating and what you're absorbing are two different things. Anti-nutrients, genetics, other toxins that are coming into play, you're not getting what you think you are getting from food, period. That's, that's not even an opinion, it's fact. And so ultimately, we have to evaluate these things and say, what does that mean for me in my average day where I don't have too much time to plan for food, I'm trying to be healthy, what does it mean? Well, what it means is supplementation is necessary. And again, I'm talking about minerals and vitamins. I'm not talking about fancy supplements, I'm not talking about herbs, I'm not talking about homeopathics. All those things are very debatable and questionable. But minerals and vitamins, when taken in the right form, are very valuable because of all these reasons. Now, number six is lifestyle. I'm going to give you a little bit about myself here because lifestyle can make a huge factor on top of everything I've mentioned. Stress, burnout. I've been through burnout. I've been through stress, especially as a professional athlete. I was working late hours teaching I would start in the morning at nine with professional practice, and then I was done at 10 o'clock at night. Every day, I was working like 60 hours a week, just working my body dry. If I'd go to a competition, if you know anything about these things, these, these events, these pro events, they weren't until like 11 o'clock at night, meaning I had to force my, my body to operate and, and perform at a maximal level when it wants to shut down. I did that for 15 years, and I'm still recovering from it. Praise the Lord that I've gotten my health back. There was a period of time where it really, you know, I was just out of it. But thank God, God is our great physician. He's the one that has charge over our health. And I'm grateful for the healing that I've had in my life. I, I definitely feel much better. I've gotten my strength back. I'm able to work out again. But the point is this, you know, you age, you go through stress. Even just aging itself, our mitochondria gets reduced by an, an enormous amount by the time you're in your 40s, your 50s, 60s. And so you you age, you just get older, you get under stress, you get under toxins. All these things are compounding every single day. Losing sleep creates all kinds of problems. How many times have you lost sleep? I know I've lost sleep or had less than ideal sleep. 
or your circadian rhythm is out of work because you're working late nights or whatever else. It's, it's simply the principle of acceleration. You're going to waste a lot of energy to get to your top, to your, to the speed that you're trying to maintain. Think like when you go on a freeway, right? You waste the most gas when you're trying to match the speed of the people driving at 80 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour. But once you're at your cruising speed, then you don't waste as much gas. The, the energy is wasted when you're doing these adjustments. And so the same thing is with your metabolism. You know, when you have these stressful situations that, you know, amount to adrenal fatigue, I've been there. I woke up and just was exhausted every single day, no matter what I did, because I was under so much stress. And the body has to heal from those things slowly. Hypo pituitary uh, adrenal axis, there's hypothalamic pituitary axis, HPA imbalance is a real thing. And it's, it's a complicated thing. If you've ever had that kind of imbalance, if you've ever been too stressed out or burned out, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a slow road. You have to be very disciplined with your diet. You have to be disciplined with your nutrition, with your exercise habits, with your circadian rhythm. It's a lot of discipline, but a lot of people suffer from that. And they think that having brain fog and being exhausted, being depressed, you know, whatever, those are just, oh, that's just normal. It's not normal. God created us to be full of life and to be abundant and to enjoy the world that he created. Now, of course, again, we're living in the Genesis curse, but the, the heavens declare the glory of God. Nature is still very beautiful and it's to be enjoyed. And that includes our bodies. So another thing too is other habits that you have within your lifestyle, like smoking, whether you're super active or you're, you're not super active, even how you eat can make a difference. If you eat certain foods that are inflammatory to you, that can make a big difference in your level of stress and eventually your collapse because of cortisol, because of all these other things. For example, the Bulletproof Diet. Okay, Dave Asprey, he's all about the Bulletproof Diet. I tried that for a little while, learned all about it. It's not for everybody. I think most of it is just PR and, and propaganda. Because a lot of people genetically can't handle the amount of fat that he tells people to eat. And also, when you're eating all that fat, it takes away calcium from... Fat and calcium are chelated together. Fat removes calcium from your food that you're eating. So if you eat all this fat and then you're trying to take calcium or you're eating, eating dairy or something like that, any kind of source of calcium will get taken away by your colon through fat and fat absorption and things like that. So the point is this, all these fad diets, like the Bulletproof diet, like keto or paleo or everything else, it's not something to, first off, it's not something for everybody. It's not something to do long-term. Some people it works, but again, those are outliers because of their genetics. If you're a vegetarian, what happens if you're a vegetarian? Well, if you're a vegetarian, you don't get enough zinc and B12 in your diet. So just that lifestyle alone can lead to serious problems with your adrenals, with your stress recovery, since those two things are very important for stress recovery for your immune system. What if you work late? If you're you know, working in a toxic environment, if you have work exposure, you're dealing with chemicals. What about that, right? So we go back to the whole toxin thing. How fast do you eat? Do you overeat? Do you undereat? Do you eat sugary things that crash your blood sugar? And that basically leads to insulin resistance, which makes your body use up more manganese and chromium to create insulin and to manage insulin. And then eventually you have a de deficiency in those things and your body can't handle it anymore. 
It can't rob Peter to pay Paul, and then you have diabetes. You see how this works? It's a slow process. For some people, it's not a slow process, but it's a gradual process. Now, other things that you need to consider when it comes to lifestyle or just you know, related things are things like mechanical or neurological issues. Some people have diabetes, like I just mentioned, and diabetes affects your nerves. Now, think about that for a second. All the nerves that control the movement of your colon, gastroparesis, they get impaired. And so you have slower transit times between the foods. Some things don't get you know, absorbed as well. You're more likely candidate for diverticulitis or for other types of inflammatory conditions. Constipation, it leads to other problems. I mean, it just it's just a spiral. So you have to understand how your body works. And you also have to understand how to evaluate your body so you know what's your baseline. Where am I at? What's the terrain that I'm dealing with? Don't just assume. You know, a lot of people have their gallbladder removed. There, I think last I checked, there was like 200,000 surgeries a year of people getting their gallbladder removed in the United States, which is a serious problem because that is a way, first off, that number shouldn't be that high, not nearly as high. Okay, there's some people with genetic conditions, sure, but most of the time it's doctors recommending things instead of treating them naturally. If you have your gallbladder removed, you don't produce any more bile. Bile is needed for fat metabolism. Of course, there's now some supplements that are available uh, for people without a gallbladder, and I talk about that on my blog and in my book, but ultimately, if you don't have a gallbladder, what does that mean? That means you cannot eat fats very well. You can't even eat fats. They don't get processed. And then that leads to other problems because you need fat in your diet, especially good fats. You need it for building the, the structures of your cells, for regenerating your brain, for your skin, for all these different things, for hormones. What about if you have a shorter colon, either because of genetics or surgery? That may impact absorption. That's a mechanical issue. What about women who menstruate and they have menstruate, menstruation disorders where they're bleeding for you know months on end? Do you think that's not going to impact your nutritional levels, like your iron, for example? Well, iron is related to a lot of things, one of them being serotonin. And insomnia is a result of having iron deficiency. Depression is, an, is a result of iron having iron deficiency. Is that associated with women who have menstrual disorders? Yes. So all these things come back down to what is the status of your nutrition? Okay. And does that mean, what does that mean? Well, it means you cannot recover from all of this damage and all of these conditions by just eating food. You just can't. You can't get therapeutic amounts of these things, of these nutrients and minerals and vitamins to repair the damage that is constantly being done and to make up for the damage that has been done for the entirety of your life up until you now realize, oh no, there's damage. By the time you realize the truth, you got like 100 bullet holes in your body, figuratively speaking, of course. But that's the point. Now, number seven is absorption. And again, all this kind of goes with the previous ones, but look, the form of the nutrient is what matters. And again, this is why there's so much misinformation. B6, B12, B9, for example, are methylated vitamins. Your body does the methylation. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. It's just a, it's a chemical process. Your body does the methylation to make these vitamins do their job. But a lot of people have genetic issues where they can't methylate properly. 
And so do you see the problem? If you take the wrong form, your body can't do anything with it. And so, yeah, you are wasting your money because you're just peeing it out. Or worse, if it's in a very high quantity and your body is not able to do with it, something, somebody else is going to do something with it, namely cancer cells, if you're smoking or doing other things like I mentioned before. So these things are very important. The form of the nutrient is very important. With minerals, another one, chelated minerals versus oxides. Most of the cheap vitamins you get are things like zinc oxide, magnesium oxide. These things are useless. They're utterly useless. Iron oxide, totally useless. So the reason they're useless is because, first off, they create free radicals when you take them because the oxygen gets disassociated from the mineral. And the mineral is not in an absorbable form. When your body, when you eat, you know, a steak or when you eat a, you know, whatever, whatever you're eating, the minerals in that food are chelated, meaning your body wraps them in a protein. So if you can imagine like a little mineral, but it's kind of wrapped in a protein and excuse me. And basically what happens is that your body can recognize that as natural as food and it absorbs it in the small intestine. But if it's not chelated, it's not going to absorb very well. It really just isn't. And that's been proven by science over and over again. And there are companies like Albion Nutrition, who's been around for 70 years, who have patented chelation processes. Now chelating is pretty popular. 20 years ago, it was nobody even heard of chelation. I've been taking chelated minerals for 20 years. And I'm fine because chelated minerals are water-soluble. They are basically equivalent to food because they're wrapped in a protein, a natural protein, and your body recognizes them as minerals. If you take magnesium oxide, it's a laxative because magnesium draws water into your colon. But magnesium chelate, chelated magnesium, by Albion specifically, they're the best, which is also very cheap. I get all my minerals at Swanson, swansonvitamins.com. Very inexpensive. We're talking a couple bucks for a bottle. That'll last you, depending on what it is, but it'll last you for a while. But chelated minerals are absorbed as food. They're not toxic. They're, they're, they're not bad for you. They're, they're not going to give you diarrhea. Now, you may have some toxins in you that the minerals help to release, but chelated minerals are safe, and ultimately that's the point. So the form is very important. Another one is iron. Even with plants and animals, if you look at heme iron versus non-heme iron, Sorry if you hear this garbage truck driving by. It was driving by earlier, but anyway. Uh, heme iron and non-heme iron. You have iron that's in plants and iron that's in chocolate, or for example, well, it's the same thing. Chocolate that's, iron that's in chocolate versus iron that's in a steak. Those are two different kinds of iron. One is called heme iron and one is called non-heme iron. Heme iron is animal iron and it's absorbed much better than non-heme. Now, again, that doesn't mean that it's better per se, because if you are struggling with hemophilia, right, and you absorb too much iron, or if you have too much iron in your body to begin with, then you need to avoid heme iron at all costs. But, you know, or, you know, if you are, again, let's use the woman menstruating, having menstruation disorder, she's probably dis de deficient in iron. A lot of women actually need iron because they're, because of the menstruation. So which one do you have? Well, heme iron is a much better source. So it, it really just depends. Again, everything has a balancing act to it. But that's another example. Other factors that influence absorption are things like anti-nutrients in food, which we discussed.
having low stomach acid or poor digestion of some kind, inflammation, right? A lot of people have those things, H. pylori, stomach ulcers, uh, Crohn's disease, you know, so many things that people have. Even if you don't have those things, but you're eating inflammatory foods and you're not helping your body with you know, good food habits, good things that help like probiotics sometimes, that's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, there's certain things like butyrate. Butyrate is an excellent supplement to help heal the gut lining. I take that every day. It's a liquid and you can get it from pure encapsulations. I mean, it's it's a great thing. These types of little tools help to make sure that your system is working properly. Because again, we are under attack and for very good reason. But for supplements, it's all about bioavailability. So bioavailability is what mean, what that means is how much of it is actually usable by your body, okay? Because you're never going to get 100% of what's on the bottle, period. Even if it's a good form, just mechanically speaking, it just, you know, it's not going to happen. But if it's in the best form, you're, you're increasing the amount of bioavailability significantly. Again, magnesium chelate versus magnesium oxide, then no no contest. I mean, magnesium oxide is just a laxative. It's good to be a laxative if you want to have diarrhea. I don't think anybody wants that. But if you want to loosen your stool, then yeah, magnesium oxide is the way to go. But if you want to improve your magnesium levels in your body, magnesium chelate is the way to go. So absorption is very important. And all these things factor into absorption, and which is another reason why even with supplements, you still need to test but certainly with food, there's no way to get it from food. Now, reason number eight is your health goals. And this is pretty simple. Do you want to gain muscle? Do you want to lose fat? Do you want to recover from adrenal burnout or thyroid disease? Do you want optimal mental performance every day? Do you want optimal physical performance? Do you want longevity? What is it that you want? What's your goal? Lots of people do fad diets. Like again, like I said, like the paleo, the carnivore diet now is really popular. Uh, the keto diet, but Look, these things, <laughs> there's no one size fits all. There's no one size fits all. Those are outliers. And we don't know what the long-term cost of eating that way is. People have eat, eaten fats, carbohydrates, and protein all of existence. Okay, there's nothing wrong with carbs. There's nothing wrong with fats. And there's certainly nothing wrong with animal protein or vegetables. Okay, but the problem is mankind, as usual, sin. We have turned what God has made, which is good, into poison most of the time. So we have to use we have to use discernment, this is my point. This is what this is all about, discernment. Because depending on what you want, if, for example, if you have low stomach acid and you're gonna think, oh, I'm gonna eat the carnivore diet because you know I saw a lot of people doing that. That's the way to go. It's super healthy. How do you know it's healthy? If you have low stomach acid, which most people do, either genetically or because they have deficiencies, the carnivore diet is going to screw you up. Do you see the problem? You're not going to digest the the meat. It's not going to get used up. It's probably going to rot in your colon. It's going to cause other problems. And who knows? Maybe you have other genetic issues with your, you know, how you process animal protein or animal fats, saturated fat, like the APO gene. And that causes a lot of inflammation. And that's that's the worst thing you can do. Or maybe you have a problem with iron storage and then you accumulate iron. Like, for example, I'll give you a personal example. One thing that I have with, with the binding proteins for minerals, because your body has, pro, again, chelating, right? Taking the mineral, putting in a protein. Well, guess what? Your body does that in the blood too. 
to transport iron. It's called transferrin, okay, or ferritin. These are these are uh, transport proteins that make sure that the iron is sealed so it doesn't react with anything in your blood. That's very important. Your your body does that for copper, ceruloplasmin. It does that for iron. It does for a lot of things. But if you are a person like me with a genetic predisposition to make less binding proteins, right? Meaning my I don't have as many trucks as you do if you have normal genes. So I can't carry that much iron around. If you eat too much red meat, in my case, which I don't, my iron levels will go boop, 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 boop. They're going to increase and you're going to have too much saturation of iron in your blood. And that's not a good thing because it can oxidize. It can lead to other chronic problems. So anyway, there's a, that's a whole nother thing. But I hope you start to see why there's no one size fits all. There really isn't. Because it all depends on your genetics, on your goals. I mean, how did your ancestors eat? What kind of, what part of the world are you from? All these things that really do factor in. And again, health is a journey. It's a journey you have to be willing to endeavor on. There's also short-term and long-term goals. Do you work out? Do you want to lift weights? Are you trying to lose body fat? Did you change a workout, for example? You start working out more and eating more protein. Well, guess what? Doing those things is going to demand you have more calcium, magnesium. Because eating more protein, and especially if you follow the advice of the mainstream gurus who tell you to have one pound, one gram of protein per pound of body weight, that's nonsense. You're going to ruin your kidneys long-term doing that, right? Because protein does what? You think protein just goes into your body and builds muscles and that's it? It doesn't. It creates uric acid. And uric acid appears as crystals in your blood. And uric acid crystals, if you have other issues with calcium metabolism, they form kidney stones. Not to mention the fact that too much uric acid, again, it's, it's an acidic thing in your blood that your body tries to neutralize with calcium and magnesium. So when you are working out and you're breaking down muscle tissue, that's protein, that creates uric acid. It's, it's an acidic effect on the body. Of course, you should work out, but that's why it's important to be nutritious, have a nutritious lifestyle. But if you're working out and eating a crap ton of protein, then ultimately what that does to your body is it puts it into an acidic state. Look at all these bodybuilders that have huge muscles. That's not healthy at all, man. You're, you're on a one-way road to a stroke, to a heart attack, and to all kinds of other problems down the road. It's not healthy. You should have muscle mass. You should have lean muscle mass, but there's a balance like with everything. So all these things take into account. Another example is anti-aging. For example, with uh, Dave Asprey, the guy who started Bulletproof, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, he's all about metformin. He's not about it anymore, but he was about it. Oh, you got to take metformin. And of course, metformin, they fig they figured out that it cancels certain genes in the aging sequence. And so if you take metformin, it does, it basically tricks your body into fasting if you take metformin. So they, they've they figured out all these interesting effects of metformin. Well, okay, it's interesting. I'll grant them that. I've read the research. It's very interesting. But... He was deficient in B12 after taking metformin because remember drugs, they do that to you. And he realized that. And so he stopped taking metformin because the deficiency in B12 was leading to other things. So <laughs> what's the point? The point is you, you can't outsmart God. You can't outsmart what God has created because God has created something incredibly complex. 
So, you know, he's trying to find, and I look, I'm not judging Dave Asprey because I was in that world too, trying to find the fountain of youth outside of Christ. It's not going to happen because everything comes with a pair and a cost. But other things too, you know, are like changes in your lifestyle or your work activity. If you're, if you started to switch, you know, let's say you start working graveyard shift or, you know, your diet changes or something, or your habits change, you get stressed out, you pick up smoking, I don't know, whatever it is. All these things impact, like your health goals, impact your nutrition status and what you need. You may need more magnesium in this period of time where you are really dealing with a lot of stress. Or if you started working out and you're eating more protein because you're trying to gain muscle mass, how does that impact your nutritional needs? Meaning minerals and vitamins. All these things have to be, you have to consider. Now, the ninth reason, and we're almost done here. I know this has been a little bit lengthy, but I really wanted to give you a resource, and I hope this has been a resource for you because we have a few more interesting things to talk about. But the ninth reason is that the RDA amounts, meaning the required daily amounts or the RDI, required daily intake, are just bogus. They're totally bogus. They were created 80 years ago, 100 years ago, whatever, and they were designed with the goal of barely avoiding, avoiding disease. They're not designed to account for your genes. They don't account for your toxins or the toxins of the environment because those can affect how much nutrition you need. They don't account for your lifestyle choices like we just mentioned, whether you work late night, whether you're stressed out, whether you smoke, whether you blah, 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 whatever, right? They don't account for your health goals. Are you working out? Are you wanting to be, let's say, living longer? Are you wanting to have mental performance? All those things factor how much of a particular nutrient you would need or want, right? For me, because of my genes and because I want to be sharp, 50 milligrams of iodine works. That's the amount that works for me. That doesn't mean it'll work for you. You may need just five milligrams. I don't know. You have to test. You have to investigate. But you know, you may you may run into a period of life where suddenly you ingested a bunch of fluoride or something, I don't know, or bromide in the water, because those are goitrogens that impact your thyroid, and suddenly you need a little more iodine to, to get rid of it. You see what I'm saying? And so ultimately, all these things are very conditional. So I, you know, iodine I've talked about before, the RDI that I take every day is something like 50,000 or 80,000 percent. I mean, it's just some ridiculous number. But RDI is meaningless, especially with something like iodine, where they tell you that the the required daily intake is 150 micrograms, when that doesn't mean anything. That was just the minimal amount needed to avoid a very serious disease. Does that tell you how much you need to fight cancer? No. Does it tell you how much you need to have optimal mental performance or optimal thyroid performance? No. In fact, they've done experiments, both on animals, and I believe humans recently, look into this. It's called delta iodolactone. It's a compound that iodine produces, but it only produces it at a certain concentration, minimal 10 milligrams concentration in your blood. Okay, this compound is the key that downregulates cancer cells in all your body. And that's very controversial for the cancer industry because ultimately it means there's probably an option that doesn't involve getting nuked with radiation. So look into it. But delta iodolactone cannot be produced unless you have a certain concentration in your blood, which according to mainstream standards 
is poison. It's poisonous. No, it's not. So what we know about the required daily amounts is bogus. Japan ate up to 20 milligrams a day. Some of those places even more. And they were some of the healthiest people. Look at Okinawa. It's one of the blue zones. They're some of the healthiest people on the earth. So what we know about required intake is nonsense, or at least what we've been told. Because every nutrient is like this, give or take. They've all been evaluated just with bogus reasons. They've never been evaluated for what do you need to take to pay back your nutritional debt and to be in optimal performance. Nobody's ever evaluated that. Nobody's going to pour money into that research either. You have to do it yourself because there's no money in vitamins. Now, there's a supplement industry, but the real industry is the pharmaceutical industry. Why would they pay for you to find out how to treat yourself with healthy compounds that God made when they could make their own compounds and you could purchase from them? Do you see how subversive and satanic this is? This is really about who do you go to for health? Who do you go to? Do you go to nature, which is what God created, and you ask God to give you discernment and to learn about how to use the things that he's created? Or do you rely on the beast to tell you what you should take for your health? So I hope you go with the first. But nonetheless, I'm going to also link an article on the therapeutic amounts. This is on my website. And how to time your supplements, how to basically look for therapeutic ranges, because there's therapeutic ranges for everything. You can take too much of something, but again, when you're dealing with the correct forms of things, it, it, you'd have to really try to poison yourself to do so. Let's put it that way. Because if you're dealing with the correct forms of nutrients, they're equivalent to food. They really are. Chelated minerals, I mean, they're, they're basically food. Now, of course, yeah, you could, like copper, for example, you could take too much copper, even if it's chelated, even if it's in a even if you're eating it from food, right? So copper is one of those things that can easily accumulate because it's hard to, for the body to get rid of it. And there are ways to get rid of those things. But the point is that even with food, you have to be careful. If you're eating like, you know, two tablespoons of cocoa every day, you know, you, you may have too much copper, especially if you're like me and you have low transport proteins. Do you see how all of this ties together? If I eat too much things that are sources of copper, I would accumulate copper very quickly because my my body just can't handle the amount of intake. And so I have to be careful with that. Now I do eat cocoa, but you know, I don't I'm not excessive with it and I'm not worried about it either because I also take zinc. Copper and zinc are a pair. Zinc helps to chelate extra copper. I also take molybdenum. Molybdenum is hard to get in the diet. You can get it from beans. That's probably the only place that you can get it in significant amounts. But I take it anyway. I take it every every couple of days just to keep the copper manageable. It's chelated molybdenum. It's it's a mineral that you need for your uh, for your teeth, for copper metabolism, for you know all kinds of other things. It, it has many purposes, just like everything else. And so the point is, where am I getting with all this? The RDA amounts are bogus. Don't listen to the RDA amounts. Don't let those numbers scare you. Do the research to find out. What is it that you need by looking at your genes, by getting a spectrocell test, by experimenting? You can start with just one thing, like let's say, uh, start with a family of vitamin D, D, A, K, magnesium, and that's it. You can add boron in there, but the spectrocell test doesn't test for boron. Boron is a pretty non-toxic mineral. I think anything from 10 to 
upwards of 150 milligrams people have taken. I don't think you should take 150 milligrams, but you can take 10 milligrams a day, 30 milligrams of boron a day. I take 35. I get it from, uh, that's the guy's name, Charles Hakala. Sorry to circle back. So the iodine research was done by Guy Abraham, uh, Dr. David Brownstein, and Charles Hakala. Charles Hakala has his own lab. I've interviewed him on my show about iodine. You can check it out. I forget which episode number it is, but ultimately he also, he sells the iodine tests, but he also sells uh, boron, boron tablets. And boron is again, just an excellent mineral. So I could go on about boron. I have a whole article about it on my blog, but you can also look into it yourself. Nothing boring about boron. That's a research study that's probably the, the most prolific on the topic. But nonetheless, ultimately, you have to test, you have to see, you have to do it yourself. You have to understand what body has God given you, what are the challenges with that body, what are the gifts with that body, what are the, what are the strengths, and take responsibility. Now, the final reason, and this will kind of basically lead into the wrap-up here, is practicality. So reason number 10 is practicality. And I hope that so far, in the last nine reasons, you have seen why I've included this 10th reason of practicality. Because the point is this, it is impractical, totally impractical, to get your mineral and vitamin requirements that you actually need from food. You can't do it. Food comes with macronutrients like fats and proteins and carbohydrates that also impact how much you can eat. Like, for example, you can't eat a whole bowl of almonds every single day. That's not cost-effective, and that's not even possible. I mean, you're going to get satiated before you finish the bowl, and that would be probably what you would need to get your magnesium requirements. Now, that's not even considering therapeutic dosages, because a, a dosage of magnesium per day is about 400 milligrams, which you could probably get in a bowl of almonds, a big bowl. But let's say you need 600 milligrams of magnesium, or 700, <clears throat> excuse me, or 800. Some people need more. It just depends, again, on your size, your genes. I don't know. What if you need that amount? You can eat two bowls of almonds every single day? It's not possible. It's just not possible. And again, food comes with anti-nutrients. So you're going to sit there and peel all those almonds every single day? It's not practical. It comes with pesticides. It comes with other things. I'm not... <laughs> Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying food isn't important. I'm not bashing food. I'm saying good food should be your first priority. Absolutely. But you cannot get what you need completely from food. That's really the whole point. Food is very expensive in, in to get that amount of nutrition. And certain nutrients, like the B vitamins, iodine, vitamin K, selenium, chromium, magnesium, vitamin A, and vitamin D, all those that I just listed, molybdenum too, probably could add it in there. You can't get those in significant amounts from food. You can't. Now, the, the mainstream is going to tell you, oh, well, this has 100% of the RDI, so you're good. Well, wait a minute. What is the RDI based on? Do you know that they've done studies on multiple sclerosis with biotin? Very interesting. The only time the biotin was effective on actually healing multiple sclerosis, there's studies on this, it was in the amounts of like some like 50,000% of the RDI. Anything below didn't really work. The same is with B vitamins. They had to be in considerably larger amounts than what they tell you for them to be effective. So look, read the research and you have to realize that you cannot get therapeutic amounts of these. The food isn't what it used to be. 
Certain things you can get, and they are vitamin C. A lot of those you can get from fruits and vegetables, obviously. That one shouldn't be a big concern. Calcium, you can get it from dairy. But again, the U.S. is the largest consumer of dairy. And we also have the largest rates of osteoporosis. So what does that tell you? Well, what it tells you is there's a missing factor that's not being evaluated. And that missing factor is the fact that dairy also creates an acidic environment because it's protein and it's got sugars in it. So, you know, people that are eating just dairy, 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 that obviously is not, there's no correlation between just eating dairy and, oh, my calcium levels are fine. There's something else going on. The acidic, sad diet, standard American diet is lacking other things like other nutrients, like vegetables, because all we eat is potatoes, meat, and dairy. So your body is very acidic. And what's the result? Osteoporosis. Meaning that even with all that dairy that you eat, it doesn't cancel out the fact that your body's so acidic and is robbing nutrients to manage itself. So that's a caveat, but dairy provides calcium. Iron is also, that's easy to get from the diet. You can get that from things like chocolate or animal meat, you know, heme and non-heme iron. But again, if you're a woman and you're menstruation or you're heavy bleeder, or if you're bleeding irregularly, you will need a supplement. Otherwise, iron, you're going to, you know, be deficient. You're going to have other problems like depression, insomnia, you know, uh, fatigue, all those things that come with iron deficiency. And if you take iron, what kind of iron do you take? Well, you take chelated iron. Ferroshell is the patent name of it, but it's a chelated iron. And that iron is safe, unlike iron oxide, which is horrible for you. It's absolutely horrible. I mean, you're basically just go and lick some rust off of, you know, an iron fence. Don't do that, obviously. Take chelated iron. But manganese is also another one that could possibly be gotten from the diet. And you can get that from cinnamon. But again, you know, is it practical? Is it practical to have a tablespoon of cinnamon every single day? Right? Unless you have a shake. Okay. If you're super disciplined about that, that could be possible. But for most people, it's not practical especially that much cinnamon. So again, I'm not saying anything like, oh, food is terrible. Like, no, food, you should, the first priority should be your food, okay? You should have good food that you're eating, but realize that you can't rely on it for optimal health. That's the point. So what do you do when you put all these together? Well, when you really consider all of the reasons that I just listed, what your conclusion is, is that you cannot expect long-term optimal health just by eating and carrying along while the world around you is being more and more poisoned and your body is suffering. It really is. When you have a disease, it's already too late. And of course, there's ways to reverse those things, but your point should be, I don't want to get to the point where I'm diseased. I want to prevent that problem because that's where you run into having to rely on doctors, having to rely on a crumbling medical system. You know, God forbid, of course, we get injured and, and we Pray that the Lord keeps us safe, but ultimately you, you have a responsibility and that responsibility is to know, to be aware, to know what's happening with your body, to take responsibility over what God has given you. Be a good steward, be a good steward. So, you know, unless, unless you are the following, you're very healthy already, you have excellent genes, you live on your own property and sustain probably around 80% of your own food and protein and water. And you have empirical evidence that none of those things that I just mentioned, like your water, is contaminated. Unless you meet all those categories, then you cannot say 
that food alone can give you what you need nutritionally. It really can't. Not for long-term optimal health. Can you live? Absolutely. But I'm talking about optimal long-term health. And sadly today, again, we're at the tail end of the Genesis curse. So what does that tell you? That tells you that things are in their worst possible condition. So this is not about being paranoid. It's about being prepared. And remember 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of courage and self-control and of love. And so ultimately, this is not about making you scared. I don't want to make you scared. I want to make you aware. And part of that maybe needs to be a little jolting so that you realize just how bad it is. But don't get scared. God is on our side. God is going to bring the knowledge that you need to your life. He's going to bring the resources that you need to your life, like this presentation, and to help you wake up and be a good steward with what he's given you, which is your body. So now the question is, how do I do it? How do you do all this? Well, there's a short answer and a long answer. The short answer is going to be what I'm going to give you right now. The long answer is it's a practice. If you if you need help, you can feel free to reach out to me. I still do health coaching. I'll be happy to look over a food log with you, and I'll be happy to look at your supplements and tell you, are they a waste of money or not? And so I'm happy to do that. You can contact me. Just email me at tutor at danceoflife.com. Uh, and I'm happy to help you and to guide you however long that takes. But genetic testing is very important. And again, I use self-decode, so... Uh, I'll put a link for that in the description of this episode. Self-Decode is a great company for its reports. It has a lot of reports and a lot of different things. You can look at thyroid reports. You can look at you know, mineral reports. You can look at, you know, you can also do, if you really want to geek out on this stuff, you can also look up your individual genes and see, okay, how many SNPs do I have? What's the overall picture? Does this coincide with what I see on my spectra cell test, right? And so some genes off the top that you want to look into is your VDR gene, that's your vitamin D receptor, and your MTHFR gene, which is for methylating. And that, again, that affects B9, B6, and B12. Now, there's other genes that play into the factor. For B12 alone, there's like at least, you know, four or five other significant genes that can affect your B12 absorption. I didn't find this out until like 15 years into my journey because I was taking B12 and, you know, it wasn't really moving. And so ultimately... There's there's a lot of investigation to be done. I don't want that to discourage you. That's why you should start this one step at a time. And remember that it's a practice. It is a journey. It's a practice. It's, you know, you're you're embarking on a thing that is unfolding. It's not a destination. The destination is the resurrection. When Jesus returns, all of this will be meaningless. It really will be. And I'm looking forward to the day when it will be meaningless. But until that time, it's a journey. It's a journey until the destination of the resurrection. It's a journey that we can stay in sharp mind, in strength of body to be of use to ourselves, to each other, so that we're not incapacitated, that we're not slaves, that we're not more susceptible to programming. You know, why, why do you think they put all these things in the, in the food and water, like bromine that gives you, you know, depression or anxiety or, you know, brain fog? Why do you think they do that? Because you're easy to control when you're in, think about it, when you wake up and you're exhausted and you don't feel like doing anything, do you feel like giving glory to God? Do you feel like giving gratitude? You know, do you feel like experiencing gratitude? No, you don't. You're easy to control and to manipulate when you're in that state. So that's what it's all about. They want to keep 
people at a low state. And that's done through chemical warfare. Now, again, this is not conspiracy theory. And if you don't believe me, then you really need to do more research because ultimately the things that I just mentioned at the very beginning with the placenta studies, they're research, they're truth. The babies that are born today, they're born with one foot in the grave. I hate to say that. I really hate to say it. it's so sad. But by the time they're 10 years old, these kids are going to be just destroyed, man. They're just destroyed. And it's a sad thing, but that's why we're at the end. We're really at the end. But genetic testing is very important. Take a spectrocell test to get a baseline of where you're at. And then start a comprehensive nutrition program. And what I mean by comprehensive, meaning include everything in your plan. You can't just take, oh, I'm going to take just like B vitamins and that's it. You need all of them to work together. Remember that there's pairs in nutrient relationships. What I would include is some minerals like magnesium, chromium, uh, and manganese. So magnesium is just a over, if you could take one thing, it's magnesium. So start with that. But what I would do is I would include chromium and manganese for blood sugar. A lot of people have chromium uh, blood sugar issues. I would also include selenium because selenium is for glutathione, which is your master antioxidant. Selenium is cheaper than any of these antioxidant supplements because it supports your master antioxidants. So that's, there you go. There's a bunch of money that you can save just from that. Zinc is for your immune system. Boron has a ton of uses, fantastic mineral. Your B vitamins, and then your vitamin uh, D and K. So all those together, they're not that expensive. They really aren't. If you find the right forms, and again, I can help you with that if you need help. There's a lot of help on my blog. There's a lot of help in my book, uh, Dance Your Way Through Life. So ultimately, all these things are there. They're, they're not super expensive compared to insurance, which costs you hundreds of dollars a month. Now, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you shouldn't have insurance because if you can afford it, you know, just have it there for God forbid. But the point is, look at the value. <laughs> look at the value you're paying for insurance, hundreds of dollars a month. And what do you get for that? You know, you get cat cat catastrophic insurance. Whereas when you invest in yourself and say, okay, what are some things that I can implement every day? that are going to give me more energy, more strength, more healing, right? From, from just all the things that I'm doing, if I get injured, that's, there's no comparison. Now, other things I would consider in a comprehensive nutrition program are things like digestive enzymes to help break down food, because a lot of people have low stomach acid. So if you have low stomach acid, I would suggest taking a Heidelberg test. Now, Heidelberg test is a one-time deal. It's been around forever. And Basically, you swallow this little pill, it sends a signal to a machine, like literally in that room, and you can measure the um, the amount of acid in your stomach, which is base default, what's the acidity level, and then the clearing time of your stomach, the gastroparesis, there's a lot of things that get measured. Most people have low stomach acid and low clearing time, and that's going to give you a very specific idea of how you do your food. Because for me, I have low stomach acid. This is the genetic thing. And I didn't know that. And if you don't know that, it leads to other digestive issues like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which leads to less absorption of your nutrients. Do you see how all this stuff is related? I mean, it's just, I mean, health is so complicated, but it, it doesn't have to be if you just take it one step at a time. If you get a Heidelberg test and you have low stomach acid, then with your digestive enzymes, I would also consider taking uh, beta-ene hydrochloric HCL, which is basically hydrochloric acid pills. And you can take that 
I take it when I eat meat, when I eat very heavy proteins. I don't eat meat all the time, but if I eat meat or, or you know, seafood, I take some hydrochloric acid. I don't take a lot. I don't need a lot. And, you know, it helps to break those things down because otherwise they're just not going to get broken down. That's a fact. You know, if you have a, if you're missing a gallbladder, even more important to take digestive enzymes. And you can look into a supplement called uh, Tudka, T-U-D-C-A. It's a very long word, but it's, it's a chemical basically that basically your gallbladder produces that helps to break down things and create bile. And you can take that now. That's a recent thing. I've recommended that to plenty of people, and it, it seems to help. So ultimately, those are very important. Digestive enzymes being able to break down your food, because again, what you put in, you assume that it's getting broken down, but that's not the case. Not the case at all. Omega-3 supplementation is also very important. Omega-3s are very hard to get in the diet. Most of the things we eat are omega-6. So unless you're eating a pound of walnuts every day and, and two boiled eggs every day, which I do, I eat lots of walnuts, I eat, you know... Eggs, eggs are amazing if you can get some good quality eggs. One of the best things you can eat. But even so, I mean, omega-3s are hard to come by. Olive oil has some. Walnuts, omega-3s are in eggs, but you know, that's about it. So having some supplementation in that area can really help with a lot of things. Omega-3 is important in, in so many ways. But I would start that, and then I would retest the Spectra cell in six months and to see how the supplements worked out. Because about six months is what it takes for the cells to turn over, and then you can see, okay, what's the trend? Did if if the amount that I took in vitamin D was let's say five thousand units or whatever, and I went from being pretty deficient on my spectral cell to six months later, it went up, you know, to the green zone. Okay, great. Then you could probably get away with taking five thousand, or even maybe a little less than that, and you're good. Just keep retesting. If it didn't do anything. That means your genes are really bad and you need to try taking 10,000 and seeing where that goes. And also including, you know, like I said, cofactors like magnesium, boron, vitamin K, uh, K2, and so on. So ultimately, look, this stuff sounds pretty complicated, but it doesn't have to be. If the supplements are in good form and you're taking it one step at a time, you're consistent, you are evaluating and you're treating this like an experiment. You really are. You're treating it like an investigation. Then you will learn a lot. You'll learn a lot, and if you need help, again, uh, I'm always there for you. You can reach out to me. You can email me, tutor at danceoflife.com. I'm happy to you know, book something with you and just to look at what you're taking or to look at your uh, food log and see what are you eating. Maybe, maybe you can do some changes there and ultimately just give you my take on things. But everything as usual, take it with a grain of salt, and that includes everything I've presented to you. Do the research. Look into these things. I have looked into these things for 20 years. I've experimented on my body for over 20 years. I've spent tens and thousands of dollars on tests, on interventions, on all kinds of fancy supplements. I've done it all. I've read all the books. I've gone to conferences. I've learned from various people. I was one of those gurus myself. And ultimately what I've come down to is that the basics are what matter. There's a lot of interesting, fancy anti-aging things, but the real, the real thing is this, minerals and vitamins. And minerals and vitamins are what your body needs. And they're also the least amount of you know, danger. Because once you start getting into fancy things like, oh, I'm going to take metformin and I'm going to do this and that, you run into problems because these are chemical compounds. Your body doesn't have a deficiency of metformin. It does have a deficiency of 
chromium and manganese, which affect your insulin levels. That happens every time you spike your insulin. Your body has to reach in to Peter, take the manganese and, and insulin or uh, chromium to pay Paul, which is your insulin hormone. And so you need chromium and manganese, but you can't get those from the diet. You just can't. There's nothing that you can eat enough every day that you can get enough chromium, especially if you're a diabetic. But the point is that do the research on your own. Be convinced on your own. I hope that I've presented you with a sufficient amount of information to get you thinking. And again, if you need help with that, I can realize, I realize it's overwhelming. I'm willing to help you. I'm here. You know, and pray. Be in prayer. Say, God, please reveal to me the truth on these things. Help me to find the right resources, the right people that can help me make good decisions, help me reevaluate my lifestyle, to reevaluate my diet, what am I eating, reevaluate perhaps my attitude on these things, because a lot of people think, oh, I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to you know, eat a salad and I'll be good. Well, it's not that simple. Health is not that simple. Sadly, it's not that simple. And it's not that simple specifically because we're in the time that we're in. 200 years ago, health was a different story. You could grow your own food and you were pretty healthy. But of course, you had other problems. You had diseases, infectious diseases and all kinds of other things. So it's always been a balance. But let's not forget, again, 1 Timothy 4, verse 8 through 9. And this is about the body. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Look, one day soon, this is all going to be a memory. It really will be. And that's something to look forward to, especially because I do believe, like I said in my end time series, that this is the generation that we will see these things occur. And our blessed hope as believers is the resurrection. It is a time when we will not have to worry about all the things we're worrying about in so many ways. One of them is a physical thing, is having a body that doesn't decay, having a body that's perfect, that's made in the image of the creator, that will live forever, that will be able to enjoy, to move without pain, to be able to do anything, you know, physically without having to be limited or handicapped in any way. That's a beautiful thing. So until then, remember, first off, that that's the important thing. Cling to the Lord Jesus. Make sure you're praying every day. Make sure you're reading the Bible. That's the more important thing. But alongside that, physical discipline and physical things are also important. They are. They really are. And try to make a habit of being a good steward. I hope that, I, again, I've given you enough information to at least get you curious, to do more research, to look into these things. And remember, the true things that matter are being close to Christ while you're doing these things. Because for me personally, I was very involved in this. And the thing that God taught me was that I was relying too much on myself. I still take supplements. I still know quite a bit of what God has shown me. And I recognize now that it was God who showed me these things because I've learned quite a bit in my time. Things that probably even few medical professionals know about as far as nutrition goes. And again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I realize that God is the one who showed me these things. Just like God is the one who shows you anything of value. It's not from your own works or your own you know, efforts or your own qualities. All the good things in life come from the Lord. And so ultimately, God has shown me these things, and I thank him every day because he's the one who's the source of health. And in this case, he's given me the tools and resources to maintain myself so that I am of use to you, to myself, to my family, to everybody else. And so you have to evaluate as you go along in this journey, 
Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Don't get too complacent with your life and say, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to die or whatever. I'm going to just eat food and that's going to be good enough. Don't get too complacent. Also, don't get too obsessed and be thinking that it's all up to you to hack your body and, and find eternal life through anti-aging supplements. That's also a problem. And I was on that side too. I was actually on both extremes. So I've learned to, to walk the narrow road and I hope that I have inspired you to do so as well. And that narrow road is, an, is a constant dialogue between, okay, what have I learned? Let me do stuff. And then praying that God gives you enlightenment in that area, that he brings the right people and resources into that area. And again, I'm one of those resources for you. So if you need anything, reach out to me. Don't be afraid. Check out those resources in the description. And until next time, stay healthy, be strong, and God bless.